Welcome, data people. We are Zuma. My name is Matt, and this is the Data for Good podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Zuma. Zuma is a dedicated recruitment company focusing on data positions across Berlin. The Data for Good podcast is for the world of data science, analytics, and engineering, giving you a platform to hear the thoughts and opinions of data leaders from Berlin and beyond. Today, we're joined by Valentin Umbach, analytics lead at Kamut. Valentin, welcome. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. And um, hey, Matt, happy to be here today with you. Thanks for the invitation. Not a problem at all. A fellow podcaster as well. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, your own podcast. Yeah, that's right. It's funny to be on the other side this time um, because I've done it quite a while as the host. Um, I, have, I have a podcast also um, on the topic of analytics. Um, uh, it's called Analytics Anonymous. I've started it a year ago, a bit over a year ago. Um, and yeah, I talk with other analytics folks um, about their experiences, their um, ideas, best practices, and how to how to tackle the challenges that we all face in this field, basically. And it's 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 a lot of fun. It's for me, it's you know, the reason I do it is personally to I enjoy just learning from other people and and um, sharing these experiences. And that's I hope what I'm uh, get to do a bit today as well. Yeah, self-learning. Hopefully a lot of people learn as well, asking different questions, different people. Um, thoroughly enjoyable. And we still uh, continue to do it, both of us. So may uh, long may it continue. You've had quite the career within analytics. Um, what would you say still fascinates you um, from the domain? So... Maybe maybe I'll uh, share a bit about my career, my background, yeah, and how I got into this field um, for for the people who don't know. Um, uh, so I originally come from a background in psychology and neuroscience, which is maybe seems a bit you know far away from from working in, in tech and data, but it's not as as far away actually. I think um, because if you if you study psychology, you learn a lot about statistics, and if you work in neuroscience, you work a lot with large data sets, in fact, and you work with tools like like R or Python to to analyze these data sets. So the skills are are quite uh, close, and it's um, when you when you think about career paths into data in general, you know, just uh, going a bit away to, from from my own personal experience, it's it's not that uncommon either to come from a field of you know either. Um, you know, science uh, like um, natural sciences or or social science background, even um, obviously you know business backgrounds. Any like I've I've met people working in data with coming from basically almost any background um, uh, in terms of what they've learned originally. Um, yeah, so I started in psychology and neuroscience, then um, started uh, had had some time working in consulting, and that's where I slowly transitioned into. You know, adapting and and kind of using these skills, um, the skill set, and also these interests that I had in you know in a more applied uh, context, I would say, and and then you know started working as a data scientist and eventually um, leading data teams and, and analytics teams at various uh, companies in the mostly or I would say I think even exclusively in the mobile app space. So I've worked for many years mm -hmm. at a um, mobile dating app, uh, Lavu in Germany. 
And I think that was also not a coincidence because um, for me, this was a perfect match for um, you know my interests, uh, both working with data as a data scientist, uh, analyzing data and helping improve products with that, but also um, you know my my background as a psychologist and trying to understand human behavior and mm-hmm. um, um, and also improving you know not only the digital products but also the real life experiences that people have with the help of these products. So that's always been kind of where my interests really overlap between, um, you know, let's say the, the human aspect and human behavior, trying to better understand it and trying to also maybe improve these experiences um, with the help of data and technology. And um, so that's what um, also drew me to my my current role at Komoot, where I work now as a data lead, analytics lead, um, leading a team of currently seven, seven people, data mm-hmm. engineers, analytics engineers, data analysts, Komoot is a an app for um, outdoor adventures where people can discover and plan and um, uh, and then also go out on adventures on their bike or hiking or running um, and then also share it with other people um, and uh, it's it's that um, you know place when when people when, when a, a digital product like an app um, meets the real life and you know in this case an outdoor experiences where I really see my passion where I yeah I I, I, I like to work in this in this uh, space and excuse the pun of it being a match for you um, at Levu from the psychology and the app um, the journey that you've had going through um, up to leading analytics team. It sounds like you're really passionate about bringing that data to the real world. Um, when you decided to move away from the psychology and more into the data, mm-hmm. was it by choice or was it by opportunities presenting themselves? Tell us a little bit uh, more about that choice oh that's a that's that's a good question so it was definitely by choice um i mean i for for some time i certainly had the plan and i was working on you know a career in academia in 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 academic research basically um so i i did a phd in neuroscience and i was i had the idea that i would continue down that path and i really enjoyed that work um and there were several reasons why at some point i then decided against that um and i wanted to and and i was looking for for alternatives where it was maybe a bit more applied like a bit more um you know related to real life because to be honest um you know a lot of the academic research is very far removed from from having impact on on people's real lives and that was Mm -hmm. just something that was really interesting to me um and i was really very actively looking into um so I, well on the one hand first i realized okay there's this field of you know data science and working in data where where the skill set matches very well with what i have but then i was trying to look for are there roles are there companies are there you know opportunities that are also aligned with my interests as well and and not just you know maybe um uh, there are a lot of opportunities working in data and there's nothing you know i, I, I won't say anything against working in in an e-commerce setting or you know just working in a you know with um some very technical challenges uh, that are super interesting working with data, but maybe just not what um, what really motivates me 
personally. Mm-hmm. And so I found this in, in, um, you know, in, in the dating world. And I also have to call out now that you, um, that I'm thinking about it. There was one book in particular that I want to call out here, um, by the founder written by the founder of OkCupid, okay which was one of the original dating websites yeah. and then dating apps. Um, yeah. Uh, Christian Rudder, I believe his name, and um, he wrote a book about, uh, um, you know, insights that he got analyzing their own data, basically. That was at a time when I think data protection was not as uh, strict as as it is today. He published a book about it. It was super interesting to me as a psychologist, so I read that. Um, that was, for me, kind of the aha moment where I realized, wow, okay, this is an, a unique opportunity to work with, um, you know, in this field of data science, um, working with data of millions of users, um, behavioral data in, in in some cases, depending on obviously on the product. But if it's a dating app, it's very intimate data. You could say, you know, it's um, people um, are really, um, you know, they they go there because they have very very personal desires to meet someone, um, to to form personal connections, and um, and of course, there's a lot of responsibility that you that you have when you work with this kind of data, and there's a lot of things that you cannot do, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, and data that you're not even, um, you know, processing or 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 saving, but still, there's a lot of things that are really um, not only interesting from a curiosity perspective, perspective but also um there's there's a real opportunity to help people um you know have um meaningful experiences and for me you know maybe jumping one one step ahead but once i worked at lavu um and you know the day-to-day work can be very you know sometimes it can be um very technical and very unrelated like it's it's you don't always feel this connection to the 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 users of the product it's you you're working with some you know you're working with a data warehouse you're working with some bi tools you're working um you know define like like setting your okrs all this has nothing to do with with what your users are doing but for me the best moments were always when i when i heard feedback from users that told us hey i know your app Uh, i met my partner through your app um or we got married and we met through your app and we're expecting a kid now and things like that these stories that that was when i knew um i'm happy to 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 contribute to that basically yeah how how important is it to remain close to the reason of the product being within data and yeah like you say the the numbers how how important is it to remember why you're doing mm. what you're doing in that team so I would say, um, of course, it's it's great if you work um, at a place and for a product that you personally identify with, um, because that gives you motivation. Um, but I think um, if, I don't know if that's always possible. I, I don't I don't know if you can always, um, or or if it's completely necessary that that you would say, okay, this is my personal passion as well as it is my job in the end it's it's also a job but what i would say should always be the case is you need to have uh you need to have a connection build a connection and maintain a connection to the people who use your product you need to understand what they're doing if you're working with data because um in the end that's you know working in analytics i believe what our job is is really to understand the data and understand what's behind the data and how like um why we're seeing 
the patterns that we're seeing. You know, it's not just producing some numbers and producing some, um, you know, results, some um, so, something that that we hand off to our stakeholders and tell them to figure yeah. it out. But I think the real value we can provide as data analysts is um, if we understand how that data is, is being produced, like what goes into, um, you know, what kind of behavior um, goes into actually producing this data and then also finding, um, you know, some insights, this, this uh, you know, famous word, uh, like people throw it around insights, I want insights, but what yeah. is it? But I think insight is really, um, if you understand um, what, what the data means, if you understand, okay, this means the, the people who are using our product they're maybe they're trying to achieve something that they currently can't because that feature is not really working for them or um, uh, they don't they don't find they don't they don't understand it um, and there's something that we could do better uh, yeah. there's something like once I understand the problem that our users have or customers have um, I can come up with ideas what could be better how we could make it better and and then bring that to our you know. To our, to our business users, to our business stakeholders, uh, yeah. whether that's in product development, in marketing, and in, in, in sales, whatever whatever it is. Um, but um, I think this is the biggest value we can we can provide as you know analysts working in analytics, and um, and to do that, you need to have this connection. You need to understand what your the users of your product what they yeah, what what they do basically, and so I think you need to move outside of just just the pure data realm. You either you need to use the product yourself. You need to maybe talk yeah. to users. You need to join if there is some user um, research team maybe at your company, people that yeah. actually conduct interviews with real users. You need to join those, um, or you can. I mean, those are all good things um, to do to to better understand um, how, you know, how that data that you're looking at is actually being produced. How, in your experiences, maybe uh, some stories you can tell of bringing the data team closer to the business team, what kind of su successful um, processes or th what have you implemented, yeah. for example, to, to help this? Yeah. yeah. take this. Uh, very good question. I think um, so. There are a couple of things I can think of. And one is, you know, something that maybe every data person by themselves can do, and one is something that is more, um, you know, an organizational question um, that a data leader maybe can, you know, help set up processes. But I think as a data person, even if you're the only data person, or maybe especially if you're the only data person in a company, um, or if or if maybe the process and the setup is not is not the, the right way for you, you can still get closer to the business by by just talking to to all kinds of different business people. Um, you know, reach out and ask them to you know to tell you about their 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 work. So I can go to a marketing manager, even though maybe I'm not tasked with hey, uh, you know, build a dashboard for 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 marketing, but I can you know. Uh, in, in the old days of the of the real office, you could just walk over. You can meet them at the coffee machine. But even now, you can you can you know send them a Slack message to say, "Hey, I'm really curious to understand how you're working. Uh, maybe we can have a coffee chat and maybe just explain me a bit about what is it that you do, you know, and understand how other people 
in different parts of the business do their job to understand how how persons run marketing campaigns, how they mm-hmm. do their sales, how they build the products, whatever it is. And the more you do that, the more you understand about how your business works, you know, and um, and also you build relationships, which is very important yeah. as well, because um, those will help you, you know, to to later work together with these with these uh, other colleagues in your company. But yeah. I think. The, as a data person, the more you understand about how the business works, and this means, of course, internally, you know, how people work together, but also basically the one question, how does your company make money? <laughs> if you can really answer that question, you know, that gives you superpowers as a data analyst, because then you know exactly where the, where the levers are, which then you can evaluate any request that you get in terms of um, how much impact can I create here? How, yeah. you know, how high is the, the value of this, of this analysis of this data, of this report or dashboard that I can build? Um, does it have an impact on the way that we make money, basically? And that's ultimately the, the goal of a business. Um, so that's the thing that I think everyone can do, reach out, you know, just really um, informally, you know, it doesn't have to be a big project. Um, just talk to people and, and mm. you know, try to understand what their job is and and the other thing um as a data leader um what has worked for me is if you have a a, a bigger data team like our analytics team like we have now with seven people um at lavu our team was even a bit bigger um and uh, you can what is what's works really well if you have people dedicated to certain business functions. So data people, data analysts dedicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means that they can really sit um, kind of embedded in, in a different, in a business team. Um, so in a product development team, for example, or in a marketing team. And that can go as far as we have it now at Komoot where we have these cross-functional product development teams um, that consist of a product manager, of course, and then you know, Android engineers, iOS engineers, uh, yeah. backend engineers, and uh, product designer, um, QA, um, and a data analyst. And that data analyst is a full, you know, member of that product team, um, same as as you know the designer or the engineer, and they take part in all of the you know sprint plannings and. Um, um, and retrospectives and, and all of the, you know, rituals of, of the team. And they get also all of their, you know, they, they define all, all of their projects and their priorities together with, with that team. And um, not from, you know, it's not dictated by a central data team. So they would report functionally, they would report to into the data team and to mm-hmm. me in this case, but um, uh, cross-functionally or in terms of, you know, their, their actual work that um, like what are the tasks that they work on and what's what are their priorities um, that's decided um, in, in in the business uh, team and I think this works really well because um, the business team knows best what's important to them and um, and they develop uh, the big benefit for the for the data analysts in this case is they develop a lot of expertise about this business domain. This is exactly what I what I talked about before. You know, it's, yeah. it really forces you to, and and empowers you as a data analyst to um, to learn about to think about 
how to improve um, you know, this part of our business, in this case, the product, maybe the, the, the sales operations, whatever it is that you're working on. And, um, and it moves you from being you know, a person. If you sit in a central data team, what, what often happens is that you're kind of waiting for requests coming in. You're not really waiting because usually there's a long backlog on re yeah. requests. So usually you'd have to pick from a long backlog of requests. And every time that happens, you first, you, you don't really understand a lot of the context. And then you have to, it's really hard to prioritize because to even do that, you have to understand, okay, what's the impact? You have to talk again to these stakeholders. And so there's a lot of back and forth and, and it's, it can be really tiring and, and um, not so rewarding. And, and with the setup of embedded data analysts or, you know, other data folks in, in the business teams. Um, it puts them into a position where they can be much more proactive. Um, they can they can decide or they can help, you know, together with let's say the product managers or the engineers decide yeah. on what are the most um, you know impactful initiatives to work on. And um, you know, when there are new features that are being discussed, for example, they from the beginning on they can contribute to okay, if we want to build this, we need this kind of tracking data to be able to you know evaluate it we want to test it so they can design a b test for it um and and then if there's a rollout of that feature they can build you know some monitoring right away so you can answer like you you have you start um with a very different mindset um if you have data um you know as part of your let's say product development, for example, from the very beginning, instead of, okay, now we built this feature and now we're going to the analytics team or the data team and ask them like, how is it doing? Yeah, this is then usually you will not get a really good answer. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's useful for the business and it's really rewarding for the data people who work in, in this kind of setup. That's my experience. And to maybe think it the, the other way, there's um, data is becoming more and more, uh, the value of data is becoming more and more apparent, more people want to invest. There's not enough data professionals out there at the moment. How, how are we facilitating it the other way? So product managers, product designers, um, Android developers to be more knowledgeable about the data infrastructure and, and using those tools. What are we doing as an industry, as companies, to support that direction. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that's. So I would. Um, I would kind of put that under the whole category of you know. Mm, uh, well, you can either call it self-service or data democratization yeah. or you know making data available to the whole organization basically. And I, I would see this as kind of the complement to, to that first part. You know what I described now as you know the data analyst being taking that very active role in contributing insights and recommendations and really um, shaping the strategy. That's that's the one piece of work that we can do. Um, and the other piece is kind of building the, um, uh, you know, a platform that um, that enables everyone to work with data, um, usually in a different way. So I would say the difference is that um, it's there are much more guardrails if you if you um, or there should be more guardrails if, if you if you want to empower the whole organization or non-technical stakeholders, people who maybe don't have it as their full-time job, uh, you know, to work with data. I don't yeah. even want to say that they're not technical um, because 
a few like a lot of these people are quite technical a lot of these people actually have some you know data skills um and but it's not their full-time job so so you wanted to make it easier for them um so that the one piece of that is you need to or I would say a couple of pieces. So it's, you need to have the right tools, but that's usually not the big problem um, that are easier to use. So you don't want, uh, require people to write a SQL or Python code. You know, you don't require um, people to know all of the, you know, details of um, where to find the right data. So there are tools for that. The bigger part of the project for a data team there is to make the data available in the right format, the right shapes, and make sure that it's clean and reliable and, um, you know, matches all of the, you know, aligned definitions that you have. So if people look at a piece of data, at a metric, for example, they can find a definition and they know that this is the same way that everybody who looks at this data in the company will understand it, basically. Yeah. So there is a lot of work to be done here for the data team that is yeah. from, you know, preparing data with, Tools like DBT, for example, um, making it available, um, you know, uh, monitoring data quality, things like that. But then also building documentation, uh, you know, data catalog, um, and making it easy for people uh, across the organization to find that documentation. So when they're looking for a certain piece of data, they know not only where to find it, but also how it's being. Um, you know, all, all of the metadata basically that that belongs to it. So how, how is this data being produced? How is it being calculated? Um, all of the definitions that that relate to that. Um, and, and then there's the last piece, which is kind of education, you know, your stakeholder yeah. education, data literacy education, where um, you, um, yeah, you can do that um, in, you know, some more formal programs, which um, we at, at our team currently, we haven't done that yet. We're not at that size yet where we like offer kind of formal courses or anything like that for stakeholders. What we do is, um, uh, we have open office hours basically where everybody can drop in and say, okay, we have the self-service tool here. We have access to this data, but I don't really know how to use it. I don't really know, um, how to look at the data and if I'm understanding this the right way. And so. This is one easy way that that, that we currently provide, um, where we kind of you know provide some hands-on support for for people who actually come with some data questions um, that yeah. they technically they're able to answer you know in a self-serve way, but they just don't know how yet. But um, I think if you're maybe a bit more advanced in that journey, you can start definitely building some you know more formal education programs for new people who join the company. To get onboarded into you know into the tools as well as you know understanding the different data sources, different data sets, and metrics and things that they can look at um, and and how to work with that. Where does the in this process where does the power of storytelling come into play and being able to interpret the data? Yeah, where where do we find this? Um, I would say I would say. Um, this is this is more you know a like um a skill of a really strong data analyst is that they are able to um you know when i talk about insights it's really um in the end you need to shape that into um a story or you know some kind of a recommendation a way that you can um 
bring that to to other people, to business stakeholders, maybe to your management, whoever it is, um, to um, you know help them make better decisions. Yeah? And so that's that's the goal of a data team. I think um, most, I mean, our data team's mission is um, to to help. Uh, the, the whole organization make the best decisions possible. And that's, um, I think, like most teams have something uh, around that. But um, if you just deliver some data again, um, it's, it doesn't tell tell you what decision I should make. You know, I, um, I need to um, give you the context and tell you, okay, this is what I like, this is what I found in the data. This is what I'm seeing there. And this is what it means. If you take this action now, this is the mm -hmm. expected outcome. If you take this action, that's the expected outcome. And you tell them, you, you paint them basically a story and a scenario, different, maybe different scenarios. And, you know, based on your best knowledge and the things that you know about, um, you know, the goals of the organization, the scenario that is probably the most, uh, you know, desired outcome and um you know by putting putting together this you know these different data points into a bigger picture that's the story that you're telling is basically what um you know what does the data mean and what does my decision have what what impact can i have with a decision with different decisions that i can take and and what's the you know what's the best one in this case um so this is something um, and you know this this includes, for example, also data visualization. You know, it's a really yeah. important uh, piece uh, for data storytelling. Uh, is um, how you visualize data in a both in an um, you know you it's it's easy to you know manipulate data in the visualization. So to you know hide certain facts or to um, you know be dishonest in some way so you should yeah. not do that uh, so you should be honest and you should show all the data but you should also direct the attention and, and the focus towards the things that are more most important and and that's a big part of you know the visual storytelling uh, with with data and there is a huge skill here and people you know if if you can just do a a quick chart um that's fine um and everybody can do that now with a self-serve tool but to do, to produce a you know a data visualization that you can put on a slide and um and you can show it to your um to your CEO and they will immediately understand okay that's the thing that is that's kind of the takeaway that is important here and this um is the decision or this is the um you know the thing that I that I can do with that that's um that's really the power of you know good data storytelling and um it's it's something that you can yeah you can work on you can learn as a data analyst uh, for for many years and you can can uh get become a real expert in that yeah how far off do you think we are from being fully removed from gut feeling decisions um <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm not sure what like uh, if if you think that the goal is to be fully removed from gut feeling decisions because I don't think that's the goal. I think um, I'm I'm not a big fan of the um, the term data driven, even though I might use it myself sometimes because that to me sounds as if data as as if it's kind of an automatic this automated decision making that you know it's all dictated by the data. That's, I, I don't think that's 
that's uh, the right approach because um, it, it that that's also what I'm you know um, it's all about this context and you know bring this understanding and and as a good data analyst you can bring that context and that understanding but you probably other people um, that maybe are the decision makers in this case because oftentimes the data folks are not the decision makers um, have additional context and um, they should take that data into consideration and they should really um, probably, I would say a good data informed organization doesn't like uses data for every decision. They don't make decisions without looking at the data. And mm -hmm. if they make a decision that is exactly <clears throat> what would be indicated by the data, that's fine, but they can also do the other decision. And they know that they know they make a conscious decision. They say, okay, the data is indicating that, but we have additional, um, well, information or maybe just um, gut feeling that um, you know things things might change in the future, might be different. Uh, I mean, a good example is um, maybe uh, you know when you look at forecasting. So a very common data task uh, is um when you when you have metrics that you're reporting to to your you know cfo they they usually you have to do a yearly planning or even longer and so often as a data team you're tasked with producing forecasts so how will these numbers develop over the next year and um it's a very common task for for a data analyst and uh basically what happened three years ago when COVID started every forecast in the world broke uh, yeah. and um and a lot of forecasts are still kind of broken today because um it's really hard now to kind of uh, extrapolate from what happened over the last two or three years to what will yeah. happen next year or in in two years um and and i think you have to be aware of that i think you can still do forecasts but um kind of keeping some some of this in mind um, that, okay, well, uh, let's say, you know, for example, a lot of the online or digital businesses had a huge boom after COVID started. So in 2021, 2022, there was a huge um, increase for a lot of, you know, e-commerce businesses. And if you would run a forecast, this would tell you uh, we're going to the moon uh, next year, uh, but it didn't happen. And, um, and so I think it's healthy to combine I kind of you know the the data um uh what what the data is telling you with some common sense or gut feeling or whatever you want to call it uh, and and that's the value of a like a good experienced business person or maybe a founder or someone who has a really strong idea about that's the that's the product that I want to build they should also trust that to a certain extent they shouldn't mm. you know take data into consideration but also um you know follow follow a vision that they have as well i would say i think a decision by definition is choosing an outcome un, unaware of what might happen and data doesn't predict the future it just kind of detects patterns in the past and as much information we can have still to make that decision um we could we could carry on for for a long time. It's coming towards the end. Um, one question I, I would love to to put to you, Valentine, is what keeps you curious? What what keeps you fascinated and continuing to 
follow your career in in data so there are many things i mean i would say one one thing is always um when i discover something unexpected in the data so of course now after you know many years working in this field and working especially in you know similar industries i've been working with mobile apps and you know i've seen a lot of the same problems over and over again so i kind of expect a lot of things and what really um excites me is when i find something that i didn't expect so um let me give you an example um yeah. from from Komoot. i think i can i can uh share that is you know a very common metric that um any digital business uh, i guess looks at is a retention metric so how how much are users coming back over time after they initially you know sign up to your product and um and you draw this as a retention curve that is kind of dropping uh, very quickly at the beginning and then it's kind of leveling off or it's 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 not leveling off but it's um you know the decline is getting slower over time so once people you know stuck around for a certain time they're less likely to you know to leave you and but you have this retention curve that starts at you know at the top and it goes towards zero over a, a long time frame and now what is really um you know, what 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 happens if you have a really good product um, that kind of increases in value over time because the more people use the product uh, in in our case and I'm talking about Komoot here uh, this you know this app for for outdoor adventures um, the biggest value that we provide is um, you know um, inspirational content for other users that basically they open the app and they can see hey there's amazing tours that I can do by you know hiking or bike out you know in my area maybe. And the more users we have, the more of this content we can actually produce um, and, and show to other users. So the amazing thing that we found is that um, we have retention curves that after several years start to go up again. They start forming a U-shape, which is something that I didn't expect. Yeah, I thought that's kind of a kind of almost a necessity that, you know, there's never going to be people that I'm back more after you know three years than they did after two years, but that's and that's in fact what what we've seen and um, and so and then you dig deeper and you try to understand okay who are these people and what brought them back and can we do more of that and you know of course there's a lot that follows here but I think that's those are kind of exciting moments for me when I discover something that you know a pattern in the data that kind of goes against completely against my expectation and. Mm -hmm. um, and that often also points you in a really interesting direction as well, you know, that you should explore further. Yeah. Awesome. The data is keeping you honest. Um, <laughs> finding find the unexpected. Amazing. Um, well, yeah, thanks for your time today, Valentin, um, for your rich insights and, and your thoughts. I hope you've uh, enjoyed today. Oh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Uh, thanks again. Um, it was really, was really nice. Not at all. And obviously to the listeners, do check out Valentin's podcast as well. Um, Analytics Anonymous. I'm sure we could put a link in um, to direct people. To the listeners, yeah, always drop your questions and feedback as usual, and we can maybe pick out some to be answered on future pods. Don't forget to like and share. It's been a great episode, so hopefully as many people uh, as possible will listen and tune in. It's bye from us. Thanks once again, Valentin.
yeah, thanks again, Matt, uh, for the invitation. Um, and uh, thanks for everyone listening. And yeah, if 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 you if you want uh, to look for Analytics Anonymous uh, on your podcast app, uh, <laughs> and of course, I'm happy as well. Yeah, we'll we'll tag that in. Ciao for now.